0: Double. Uh, I was making sure we didn't have a special, but I don't think they're here today. So, well, let's let's pray, Heavenly Father. Again, we come before you and we thank you for your Word and ask you to help us to properly understand it. Also, Lord, the many things that are kind of, uh, even though you tell us uh, in your Word what to believe, what to think, what is right, what is true, sometimes. Those things can be hard to grasp. And so in all of this, help us to simply rest, simply trust in you, Lord Jesus, as we, as we continue to press on in this life. Help us to stand faithfully upon your word in, in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Main uh, passage that we're going to be looking at. Well, one of the main verses where we're going to kind of focus the study on. I'm not sure how many weeks we'll spend in this study, but uh, is Romans twelve twenty one. Romans twelve twenty one, and I entitled this "Conquer Evil" or "Overcome Evil with Good." And in Romans twelve twenty one, it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I think most of us would agree that regardless of what we all do, what we all face, that the world continues to spin and remains in its path or orbit around the sun, right? We have light coming through the windows, which means the sun is out there. We may think the world stops each time something bad affects us, whether that's on a personal level or as as we look out through the world, we see bad things taking place. And even if we were Ukrainians pinned down by the Russians, not knowing if we'll survive the next day or hours or weeks, the world continues to spin, correct? Correct? So, what, 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 who cares? What if it does spin? (laughs) Well, the sun does, the sun does come up tomorrow, and again the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that, and so there is hope. It's kind of like that song that Annie sang, right? Many of you, anybody want to sing it for us? The sun will come up out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar. That tomorrow, there'll be sun, right? Familiar? You want me to sing it for you? I see a no. The sun will come up. Out, out. The sun will come out tomorrow. So you got to hang on till tomorrow. Come what may. There you go. Are you satisfied? Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thanks, I'm struggling this morning. Anyway, (laughs) Well, the sun will come out, correct? And we know from Scripture that that shouldn't be a concern for us today. I mean, we have at least 1,007 years that we know the sun will shine, scripturally. And the reality is that sadly the world, even though the sun is shining, the world has been corrupted by Sin and this corruption, this sin and and death, it's bad. Correct? I mean, even as believers, you know, first this Thessalonians chapter 4, we mourn but not like those who have no hope. But yet it's still bad. We may still mourn, correct? We don't have to look very far in this world to see the bad. We don't have to try to remember bad things from our own past. We, we know what is bad. And, and then there are those, those stories that stick out. And, you know, I didn't write this this week, but it's been within a month that we've heard the atrocious, horrendous reports of the dead bodies that they've found in eastern Ukraine. And the things that they know have had happened to those people even before they died, many of them. And people would say, now that that is evil, right? That is just pure evil. And so let's come to a question, or ask the question, and maybe, hopefully you've all dealt with this, or maybe you haven't even thought through it uh, step by step, other than the reality that you've been taught through Scripture what to think about what is sin, what is bad, what is evil, what is good, and that God is indeed good, correct? But let's, let's just ask these questions, right? What is bad? And now let's ask, what is evil? And is there any overlap? Is there any connection between those words? Is one worse than the other? Are there different degrees of badness or different degrees of evil? Now, I was listening to a podcast this past winter, and the definition from a secular political uh, podcast was about evil, and it was a cultural definition and not necessarily a biblical one. And while I agree with this fellow on a lot of the political issues, I believe he was a little bit off on his description or discussion of evil. And even then, before some of the, I think it was even before the war in Ukraine, and and I I guess we should be careful because there have been bad things in South America and Africa and Asia that we choose to ignore. There are concentration camps within China, of the Uyghurs. And so, it not just because of the war in Ukraine that should cause us? Well, what's bad? <laughs> And then what is evil? But anyway, he had this discussion, and then there's been some Bible studies, this topic's come up, or the word evil, and then recently all these things, and it makes me wonder and thought that it would be important for us to kind of go through this topic about what the Bible says about evil or what is bad. Uh, One of the conversations would be from someone who would say that, you know, they don't necessarily, you know, they think God's there, but they, you know, what... What They don't know what to do with this issue of evil and the bad things that happened in their life. And so here we are. We're going to discuss this topic. And again, the, the main verse that came to my mind as I was thinking about this topic is Romans 12, 21. This verse reminds me and it should remind us that we are in a battle between good and evil. And and this battle, it... it charges us to fight, the Bible charges us to fight this battle. More importantly, I believe it is a foundational verse for us, not only to address the topic, but to understand that it it does indeed, first and foremost, exist. And there's some religion to say, well, it's just, you know, that's just the physical, you need to focus on the mind and the spiritual, and then you can, this is, it's just an illusion, All right? how they want to explain evil. Well, we know <laughs> that is not reality. But it, this is a topic that we should wrestle with, I believe. That evil does indeed exist, and that there is a personification, really, of evil and the, the being of, of Satan. Now, the podcast I, I was mentioning earlier Earlier, his focus was on we shouldn't overuse the term and we shouldn't personify it. Now, biblically, I, I believe the issue is not overusing the term evil, but still not fully comprehend, comprehending, pardon me, how bad or how horrendous evil is. We still underestimate what evil is. Does that make sense? But the reality is not that we should minimize the use of the word, but understand its full corruption of the world. That is how sin has corrupted the world and how there's evil throughout the world. And so we shouldn't minimize its full effect either, in which I believe he was failing And so don't underestimate its full scope of influence and and don't undervalue or devalue the force of evil in the world. But we still need to hang on to the grasp of, of, or the gravity of how destructive its influence is. So back to our key verse. (laughs) And as our our main idea here this morning, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good or conquer evil with good. I believe that word is interchangeable, that conquer. And so we come back and let's step back just one second. Why do we even have to? Why should we have to overcome or conquer evil with good? Secondly, why is there evil? What is, and now that is, I should say, that is perhaps the same question, but but not only why do we have to deal with evil, but why is there evil when the Bible tells us about the perfections of God? Thirdly, today, as we begin to investigate, and I want to tell you, I don't think I am handling this. They will not all be handled in depth, possibly like they should be. But let's try to handle them just a little bit, okay? But thirdly, as we begin to investigate the whole subject of evil and its ramifications, what is the definition of evil? That is, what is evil? And so we need to begin there. And so this morning, we're going to start with a couple of secular definitions. Now, they may, I may say secular, but there may be Christian influence within these definitions, and yet they're trying to describe how this word is used within our culture or our society. Okay? So it's not purely biblical, it's how people use the word. And so going back to our lovely 1988 uh, Webster Illustrated Contemporary Dictionary, it says evil is, one, morally bad, wicked, sinful, or depraved. Second definition of, of evil, injurious, unwholesome, harmful. The third is causing or threatening misfortune, unlucky. It's more like, you know, oh, this using it in a way that, hey, this has been bad for me. For Arising from a real or reputed immorality, an evil name. Used in in the sense of a noun, one wicked conduct or disposition, sinfulness, moral depravity, or something that harms or hurts. So I checked out and see how we're doing today because sometimes I wonder. (laughs) Online, I had an extra one there, sorry. Uh, Online Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Number one, morally reprehensible. And they still use sinful or wicked. Arising from actual or imputed bad character or conduct. Uh, Archaic form inferior. And then it goes on to describe some other things here. Now... There's often a a big distinction or a major distinction in the minds of our culture between what is bad and what is evil, right? We'd say bad is, it's bad. (laughs) It's not good. (laughs) And evil's even worse. Evil's diabolical, right? There's a pernicious uh, sense to it. It's where it's very harmful, far more than just morally bad because we would say maybe that you know hitler and the holocaust his involvement in the holocaust or his push for the holocaust and his push for dominance for his nation and the destruction of other cultures and nations that was evil what they did in the in the concentration camps that was evil so hitler right was evil But now Joe downtown who got drunk and and got in his car and he ran it into somebody else's car and totaled their car, didn't kill anybody, that's just bad, right? Or maybe, you know, even when I have viciously hurt someone, that's bad and not evil. Let me help you just a little bit. Biblically, if we look at it, as what is sin, does it matter? Does it? Well, let's go to the Christian definition of evil. Uh, one book I'd encourage you to read would be Norman Geisler in If God, Why Evil? And he says several times throughout the book, I have not finished the book yet, but he says, Evil is a privation or corruption of a good thing. And wait a second, that's a little different than what we're looking at here. That's in your bulletin insert. Another Christian philosopher, J.P. Moreland, has noted that evil is, is a lack of goodness it is goodness spoiled you can have good without evil but you cannot have evil without good another christian apologist Greg kukul i don't know how you pronounce his name but he said human freedom was used in such a way as to diminish goodness in the world and that diminution pardon me, that lack of goodness, that is what we call evil. So we're coming to this point where we're wondering, why have we changed so drastically perhaps by looking at what is evil in the sense of people doing things that are morally bad or really atrocious compared to this definition where we see that there is this privation of good or corruption of a good thing and it has to do with the reality what the Bible teaches about who God is and though God is perfect and good there is still evil it has to do why with why evil even exists today and so that's included within this this definition and Greg's definition helps you understand that we come to the understanding of of why evil exists through the, the fact that in God's perfect plan, he included the reality that humans have, or Adam and Eve, and even Satan had the ability to make a choice. Does that make sense? Biblically, we can agree, especially in the New Testament, the the Greek word, Reminds me, and I probably have said this before, when I was younger, I had this task given to me one summer when I was in fourth or fifth grade that I was supposed to go out and, and, and clean out the chicken coop, which had several years of layered chicken caca okay, on it. Now, it was evil to make me do that, maybe. I don't know, it was bad. It was not fun. The Greek word is kakos. So I think of chicken caucus bad, okay? The Greek word. That, that's how I tie it together. <laughs> but this word caucus is, is also up against or opposite of what is good. And so then if we go in the Old Testament, and usually the word raw is used for bad or evil, we find in Genesis chapter 1, if you would go there with me, and let's see what God said was good or saw that it was good, and how God is the author only of what is good, even though evil exists. And so if we go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 4, in the creation week, we begin to see this play out. We see that God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. He created the light in the darkness. Um, but God saw that the light was what? It was good. In verse 10, we find that that God created, separated the dry land from the, the oceans, from the seas, and at the end of that verse, and God saw that it was good. In verse 12, created vegetation, everything after its own kind. God saw that it was good, right? Verse 14, He created the sun and the moon and the stars and the seasons and the years and all of that. And we come down, oh, actually verse 18. We come down to verse 18 and and God saw that it was good. And I think part of our problem is sometimes we don't define good as something that is wonderful and great. Okay? Good in our minds oftentimes is not necessarily excellent So we have kind of devalued the reality or the definition, at least the biblical definition, of what good is. But in verse 18 and verse 21, we see that He created all the sea creatures and the birds that fly, and God saw that it was good. In 25, again... And God saw that all the animals that he created on ground, the ones that creeped, walked, and everything like that, after their own kind, God saw that it was good. See the theme here as we go through? Verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, within that week, we also have the creation of Adam and Eve. And so 2 kind of backs up just a little bit and gives us, hey, this is when God created man and woman. But in 2 verse 9, he created the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In verse 12, we see that the gold in that land was good. In verse 17, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The only thing we find in there that wasn't good was that man would be alone. In verse 18. So he created a perfect helper or helpmeet for him, for Adam, Eve. But then God also gave them a choice. And so then we come to the next chapter, and we find that Adam and Eve, with that choice, in verse 17, they sinned. They chose otherwise than what was good. They chose to disobey, and so they chose otherwise. So when we come to verse 17, then... Then to Adam, he said, because you have, and it really starts in verse 14, but for time, you have listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten from the tree, which, about which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Notice the ground was cursed. The earth was cursed. Verse 18, both thorns and thistles that shall grow for you and you shall eat the plant, all eat, sorry, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till, the, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken from you for... <laughs> I'm struggling today, sorry folks. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And what you need to see here is that Adam and Eve chose otherwise. They chose otherwise. And then we go to Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, I think it's important for us to make the equation here and the understanding of the similarities between sin, what is bad, and what is evil. In chapter 5, verse 12, a, very, a chapter you should be very familiar with, it says, Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. There's several areas in which man has sinned even you yourself in the sense that he was your forefather because of that you are a descendant of the one who sinned he's your federal head he sinned on your behalf <laughs> okay he made that choice for you okay we're born in sin and therefore there's death sin ushered in death And the world was cursed there in 17 through 19. And and in chapter 8, we find of Romans, I should have included it, uh, I believe verse 34 or somewhere in there, or 31, it talks about that. I forget, somewhere in chapter 8. It talks about how the earth has been cursed. But the reality here is that what was bad, what is evil, what is sin, came into the worlds. But what God had created was good, without sin, without evil. Before we move on to all of whom is to blame, we simply must know a definition of evil. Evil is opposite of good, or actually it is a privation or corruption of a good thing. Certainly evil exists and exists not not in the indifference to a perfect God, but because God is perfect. And so we're challenged, if we haven't understood that yet, but... In that, God in his perfect plan allowed us to choose, free choice. And that's where evil came. And so now we're challenged, do not be overcome by evil, but conquer evil with good, We need to continue to investigate this, though, because we can ask if God is good and he is all-powerful, why is there evil in the world? We can continue to ask that question, and so let's go ahead and look at God, who God is, and so we've already kind of discussed this just a little bit, but turn to James chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. I've kind of got bogged down on that first point here. I didn't mean to, but in James 1, 1 through 1, sorry, James 1, 13 through 17, It says, let no one say when he is tempted, and so who are we to blame, right? Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, right? It doesn't just say sin, but by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives Birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. That is, God is good, He is perfect, and everything that He gives is perfect and good, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. That is, God is immutable, He doesn't change. His goodness has not changed into badness. God is good. And some some suggest that God is not good and, and that is why evil is in the world or that God is limited like these false gods that we've made into heroes in Marvel or whatever that the people used to worship, right? They were limited, Every God other than the God of the Bible is limited in their ability, so maybe that's why. Well, no, that's what the Bible says. God is not limited. The only limit he has is to do something contrary to his, his attributes, whether self-imposed because it's not a part of his perfect plan or that is that he can do something bad or that he is not sovereign or all-powerful and he can't, you know, do something powerful and change things. He cannot sin and he does not tempt, right? James here, chapter one. But God cannot be tempted by evil, nor is there any evil within him. He is good and made what that which was good, including, again, as I mentioned before, free will, which we should probably talk about more fully later. Later. But there is no privation or corruption of goodness or any, in any of God's attributes. He is not lacking in anything. And so God is good and God is sovereign. Well, within his goodness, let me back up, he is holy. God is positively pure and distinct from all others. That is, it means that he is separate from all that is unclean and evil he has complete he has complete perfection and he is set apart from his creation which does the creation has corruption right or privation of goodness within it but god he himself is good psalm 99:3 let them praise your great and awesome name your name is holy first Peter one thirteen through sixteen, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the holy one who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God is holy, and God is immutable; He does not change. Again. James 1.17, but not only that, but God is sovereign. God reigns over all. He has power and authority over all things, and He is omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent. And omnipotent is He is all powerful. There's nothing. He has no limitations. The only limit again is that He cannot go against His own divine attributes or perfections. He cannot lie. Right, And he will not go on its self-imposed limit, that is he will not go against something in accordance to his plan. And so we come back to the question that maybe you're getting sick of this morning, is why does it still exist then? It's not because God is limited, right? That's not a viable option. So that last word up there, permissive, he is permissive. God within His will is permissive of sin and of evil because it is a part of His perfect plan, which includes redemption of His children. And some might say, well, we can't know His love if we didn't know we needed His love in the sense that Jesus came and died on the cross for us because of sin in this world, or His grace. Maybe we wouldn't even know His goodness if we had no Way to compare it to evil. Then we go back to the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Now we know the difference. And now we know He is good. But some suggest God isn't good because evil exists still today. He hasn't dealt with it fully. But we know He will. He will. Right? And we know this, but until then, he is at work. So we know God is good, and there is a purpose within his permissive will to work out all things for good. So with all that being said, can we trust God in the midst of a fallen, sin-filled, cursed, and evil world? And I thank you all standing here, or sitting here actually, right? Right? Are you still with me? Have I gotten a little long-winded? Would agree. Yeah, I can trust the Lord. How about Psalm 34, 8? Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man who, some translations say, takes refuge in him or trusts in him. Do you trust in God? Or do you, do you run to him, or do you run away from him because of what the bad, because of the bad things in this world, the evil things of this world, where do you run? And where do you stand? Do you stand in the midst of his grace? Do you stand upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ? Where do you stand? There are people, and, and so maybe this isn't just for you, this is for someone you may encounter and say, "Well, I don't believe in God because of all the bad things in the world." Well, how do you? Talk to them about it. Now, hopefully you've gotten a couple of suggestions how you can talk to them about it. But we should run to God. Psalm 100 verse 5, a thanksgiving psalm, right? Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. His faithfulness to all generations. We can trust in Him. We can be thankful, right? So do not... Be overcome by evil, but conquer evil with good. And I think a beginning of that is to be thankful to the Lord for all he has done, which means you recognize, you realize the good things you have within this corrupted world. Now let's briefly go back to the very beginning. Like, oh no. Here we go. More. Okay. The verse we were using, right? Do not be overcome by evil, but conquer or overcome evil with good. And so who's at fault? Well, look at Romans 3. Go to Romans 3 real quick. Romans three, ten through 12. Every last human being other than Jesus Christ have been born into sin, and here in this passage in verse 10 through 12 which is a quote of the Old Testament as it is written there's none righteous not even one there is none who understand there is none who seeks for God all have turned aside together they have become useless there is none who does good there is not even one if we aren't doing good then we're doing bad we're doing a evil and so within the biblical concept and teaching of free will, we find that Satan and the fallen angels and man are at fault within God's good and perfect creation. <laughs> okay? Well, if it was good, then, well, no, it's a privation of what is good. Evil is and badness is. So evil, again, is to choose to do otherwise. It is to sin. Sin. So we're at fault, and then we are to be engaged, right, with this verse as we go back to it. We need to know God. We, need to, we must know who he is, that is, that we can trust him, that we can run to him. We must know what he says in the word, in his word. What does he say? Do you know what he says? Do you know what he says about the future? If you don't, you should. The sun will come up tomorrow. We know it will happen for quite a few more years, right? Because he says it will. Do we trust him? We need to be engaged to know what is good and to do good. Ephesians 2:10, Ephesians 2:10 tells us that and it begins, we're not saved by good works, but we're saved to do good works, right? Two, eight, and nine teaches us that we're not saved by our good deeds. But here then verse 10, we're saved to do them. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God pre- prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Second, that's Ephesians 2:10, 1 Timothy 6.18. 1 Timothy 6:18. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Storing up for themselves the treasure of good found, of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is it, which is life indeed. And so, how do we conquer or overcome evil? We be, we're engaged. So, in the midst of the Ukrainian defense against the Russian onslaught, there is revival taking place. I just read an email this morning from Turning Point. Biblical Ministries Worldwide, I'd shared it on our Facebook page. The things that they are doing, they're they're reaching out with, with clothing, with food, which translates in the sense that they have so many Ukrainian missionaries that they're sending, evangelists that they're sending out into the field. And then they're sending Bibles. There's an opportunity in the midst of this evil for good to take place. And then on turning point email they're talking about some some testimonies as they broadcast across the U- Ukraine and even into Russia. There are testimonies of people even though I hear the bombs and one testimony the man says I can't leave we're too old in this this apartment buildings. We can't leave, so we hear the bombs. I hear my neighbors scream when they hear the bombs because they're fearful, and now I get to listen to Turning Point, and it gives me hope, and it strengthens my faith. So what do we do when there's evil in the world? We don't stand by, right? We engage, and it may just be financially. It may be more than that. It may be going into the danger, like the free Burma rangers, right? You get engaged. Something happens, even a tornado, and we can't blame it on some oligarch, right? Well, it's because the world has been corrupted by sin. Bad things happen to good people. Where's the body of Christ in the midst of it? Right here, these, these verses plus more tell us we're to be engaged. So maybe we don't have a good understanding yet because Pastor Lee got long-winded and I fell asleep to really know what evil is and why it exists but I do know how I'm supposed to fight against it. And it's not just talking about doing good things, but also allowing the Word of God to change you so that you're doing what He wants and not what we, not what we want, that we don't choose to do otherwise, which is bad, which is sin, which is evil. And yeah, so one of the definitions, I want you to understand, the Word is interchangeable. When we see within the translation that it has more of a sense of a harsher statement than we may use evil, but it's the same word that sometimes we use for bad. And we, in the context of the sentence, we may think, well, that's not as bad as what we use the word evil for, so we'll put the word bad. But both of them are the same word in the Greek. And so we need to understand, even if it doesn't seem as harsh as something else that is bad that I could do, it is still really, really bad and even evil. It is sin. And so we don't let sin reign in our life. We let Christ reign in our life. We have that relationship with Him, allow the, ourselves to be filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, so we do not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And then we engage in good deeds within our community, our state, our nation, and the world. One way that we can do it and may seem pretty weak, maybe not, Just to join and encourage and support Women's Resource Center, Walk for Life, right? Support our missionaries. Today is Missionary Sunday. Don't let this life pass by and just think how bad it is. Be engaged. Let's pray. Lord, I know that we have not fully... Dug into the, what this all means, uh, the reality of of sin, reality of evil, versus who you are, how great you are, how perfect you are, how good you are. That simply help us, Lord, to believe and trust in you, even in the midst of the worst scenarios. In those in the Ukraine, those in China, those in whether it's South America and Africa, in areas where there is persecution or death or fighting. Christians who are there, Lord, that they would stand firm upon you and that they could help others run to you, you who are refuge, the one that we can trust in the midst of all the bad things, all the evil things that are taking place. Help your people to stand up firmly. Help us to stand up firmly for what is right and what is good. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We do not deserve the blessings that you have given us. Our salvation more specifically, but you have given it to us in your Son Jesus Christ. So thank you, Lord. I ask that you'd watch over and strengthen and bless each one today. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning it is